Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor and a special deal for our listeners of Karen Isn't Always Right. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan, or videotapes, audio tapes, or film reels that you need to import, you should check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name, Karen Isn't Always Right, when you order, you're going to get 5% off and a portion of your order is going to help support the podcast, Karen Isn't Always Right. All of those formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All your memories can be stored safely on the cloud or even a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AV Gear Guy has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media and they can accept orders from anywhere in the U.S. Don't forget to mention the name of Karen Isn't Always Right and get 5% off. For more details and to book, visit their website at avgearguy.com. That's avgearguy.com. Hey everybody, my guest today is Dustin Whitlock, General Manager with Cinemark Theatres. Dustin has a wealth of experience in the theater industry and shares his story from when he started and how he progressed through the ranks until today, where he's now a GM of one of the highest profile locations within Cinemark Theatres. I consider Dustin a dear friend and is someone who truly motivates me to be a, a better GM as he stands out as one of the best in the business. So, without further ado, I give you... Dustin Whitlock. Hey, what's happening? Welcome to Karen Isn't Always Right. How are you today? Not too bad, not too bad. Hang out here in the old uh, spare bedroom. Yeah. Quasi office. Scenic views. You know? Yeah, yeah. The newly uh, newly uh, appointed office newly minted office yeah yeah my uh currently my kitchen table is my office i have an office in this house but my wife commandeered that which is probably more important because she has real shit to do <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah so my kids are here so they might wander in and out so you get to see them but uh yeah anyway welcome to the show thanks for coming on here i know it was like twisting your arm and then i fucked up with time zones and all that shit so Sorry. But we made it happen anyway. It's great. We did. So uh, tell everyone how we know each other. Well, we both uh, are general managers for Cinemark. And uh, when, when did we first meet? Let's see here. I know we were both. You're going to have to help me out here. Because I feel like we've been friends for a long time at this point. We knew of each other. We were both in Stebbins' region, right? Yeah, I mean, I knew of you before we were part of Stebbins region, and I think we met at a convention, if I recall. I think we met, I think I formally introduced myself to you at a, a region meeting we were having at the convention. Was uh, I dick? <laughs> <laughs> I am very sensitive, and uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I felt like he blew me off, and I was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, I, you know, you were just like, hey, how's it going? And uh, we were trying to make conversation or whatever. And then you kind of, you know, you went on to do whatever you were doing. Whatever. To be but fair, I, I'm easily distracted. No, I know. I know. I mean, I consider <laughs> you a very, very good friend now. But the other part of that, though, is my wife used to audit you. And so being the competitive person that I am, I would, she would talk about you and how great of a GM you were and how your audit was awesome and stuff like that. And so the competitive part of me was like, well, fuck that guy. 
<laughs> I feel that. And I feel like no matter how good of a friend you get to be with somebody, when you're put in that situation where you're comparing apples to apples all the time, you got numbers up on screen uh, every week through reports or whatever else, you always have that competitive like tinge, right? You're always like, all right, motherfucker. We, we don't need to see that. It's right. fine. <laughs> go away. We see, we see your email. We get your recommendation. Go away now. <laughs> and uh, the terror goes too. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, uh, we've each been that guy at yeah. different points. And I've seen plenty of other people be that guy. So, uh, or girl, excuse me. So, right. uh, yeah. Well, and so that's just, what's funny is like, I, I, I don't know why I just held this like, <clears throat> animosity in my head towards you because I thought you didn't like me and so when I think someone else doesn't like me then now I don't like them and I return in kind and so I built it all up into my head and then I think we actually became friends when um, I came down we both came down to, to Dallas for a meeting a region meeting and we went out to dinner together. yeah 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 we went to Chewy's I think right yep yeah yeah that, that was the night before the meeting we got a chance to sit down and we kind of like Hey man, so what's up with this? I remember we actually hashed out. You're like, I, yeah. I didn't think you liked me. I was yeah. surprised you asked me to come out here and, and get something to eat. And, uh, you know, ever since then, we've done openings together. We've spent a lot of time together. We've been in the same region in and out mm -hmm. um, and maintained contact. And that's kind of kind of where we're at today. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just funny how we sort of hashed that out, as you said. And there's other people I think the same thing about you know, so I get in my head, I don't know what my problem is, but, you know, I'm sure there's a couple of people that, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. And it's just probably the competitive streak in me and, and just being a sensitive little bitch that I am at times. But I feel you. I'm the same way. Yeah. But sometimes that, you know, once you get that affirmation, you're like, oh, we're good to be friends now. Right. Works out. Right. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how'd you get into movie theaters? So it was interesting. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, kind of preparing to come on the show and, and I'm thinking about my history and my story and, and, you know, some people have these really profound things that happen that get them into the business, but a lot of them are just like snot nosed 16 year olds jumping in. And uh, I actually held two first jobs. Uh, interestingly enough, I had two friends, both named Zach, uh, one with a CH, one with a CK, a big, you know, to do about that. But anyway, uh, Zach with the CK worked at a pizza shop and Zach with the CH worked at a movie theater. And they both said to me, you got to try these jobs out. They're going to be easy. You're going to make money. It's going to be wonderful. So I actually had kind of held two jobs there in, in the early <laughs> part of my youth. And the big point, uh, you know, sale point of the movie theaters, ah, it's easy. You get to hang out all day, get free movies. You're going to love it, you know? And, uh, Obviously, I ditched the, the pizza shop job, which I ran. Ironically, I'm kind of back in the pizza shop job now. <laughs> um, and, you know, stuck with the movie theater job. And, you know, at that point in my life, yeah, man, it was easy. It was fun. Uh, I had friends there and got to see free movies. Never had to pay for a date. Couldn't, couldn't beat that. Yeah, it worked out well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and where did you get your start? What area? So I grew up in Ohio um, in Jackson Township, which is in Maslin, which is right by Canton, North Canton area. Um, and I started at our theater number 231, which is Tinseltown in North Canton, Ohio, working for Frank Stancato. Mm -hmm. cool. So I was, uh, 
started out as a uh, concessionist, so which was, of course, the department my friend was in, put in a good word for me, so that's where I jumped in. I think, I think the concession slash usher area is really where most people get their feet wet. So Typically, yeah, it seems like it. Although things seem to change. It depends on the theater nowadays, I think. I mean, obviously, the theater you're at now is vastly different, but even in, a, even in some of the traditional locations, it just sort of depends. You know, like my last location, because we served alcohol in the concession stand at every till, we can't right. start everybody in there, and sometimes you need help in the kitchen or whatever. So if you're not, if you're not at least 18, you're starting either in the kitchen or as an usher. And we right. only need one box person all the time, even during the holidays. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's it, that just proves how different things are now from when they were, uh, you know, when you'd have eight box office cashiers working and yeah. still have lines out the door. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's the, the miracle of online ticketing and reserved seating. All of a sudden, you only need one or two people to fill mm -hmm. the same role. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I started out. And, uh, you know, despite my really good – high school friends, which I've maintained a lot over time. Most of my friends then have been through my job and Cinemark and all that. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, same. I mean, I met, met a lot of good friends working in theaters, met two wives <laughs> working in theaters. <laughs> uh, for the record, those are separate timelines. Well, I figured, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a buddy of mine, well, you were, you were at my wedding. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, one of my best men saying, basically, uh, if you're looking to get married, just come work here. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it's interesting too. I think, uh, you know, Frank, my, my old boss, his wife, uh, he met through Cinemark and, you know, now she works for Cinemark as a, a administrative assistant <clears throat> for the region. I didn't know that. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I met my wife through Cinemark. I, I mean, there's stories like that all over the place, not just in Cinemark, but in, uh, the theater industry in general. Listen, when you're spending, yeah, you spend your whole weekend at a place. Uh, that's prime date time. You're not going on dates, man. You work in the concession stand, you're cleaning theaters, you're yeah. threading projectors, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, if you're spending all your prime time, then it's probably likely where you're going to meet the, the person that you're going to be spending. When are we going on a date? Uh, Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wednesday's the weekend. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So you worked at that theater. How long did you work there before you uh, moved on? So started there in 2001 and I got my first theater in 2007. So just six, six years there, which is. You were, so you were an assistant, but you moved up in that, within that theater, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and at one point, because I wanted to, and because the need was there, I did every job in the building, which is, I think, a pretty similar story that you're going to hear out there. The people who really have a passion for it or enjoy doing it are going to want to keep improving. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of a, a story about me um, is I was uh, a Boy Scout. I was really heavy in the Boy Scouts. And uh, as you know, in the Boy Scouts, they have these requirements that you have to meet to go to the next level. Yeah. And Boy Scouts teaches you a lot of things about leadership and everything else. But one other thing it teaches you is like, all right, what do I got to check? You know, what box do I have to check to get to the next level? So of course, out of concessions, I'm like, well, now what do I do? So I went through concessions, was a great cash handler, went into box office, uh, did some ushering in the, in the interim. Uh, you know, my ultimate goal is to get to the projection booth, right? Sure. Because pretty, uh, 
prestigious position back in the day, right? You wanted to go up in the projection booth. You wanted to be on a schedule, but it was kind of your schedule. You know what I mean? Unless your yeah, unless your manager was a dick and he started a, a movie on the opposite side of the uh, theater at the same time, uh, you were moving at a pretty relatively decent pace. No matter how busy you were downstairs, the projection person was always the same busy every day. Yeah. And um, so your goal was to get up there and it was kind of a cool position. So that's where I went and where I got promoted to an assistant in the projection area. Um, After that, I took over as a lead usher manager. And during that time is when I became an assistant manager, which is now the senior assistant manager. And, uh, you know, I, I learned all the positions in terms of management, cash, whatever it may be from that point. Um, interestingly enough, my career start as a general manager, I became a senior assistant. I wanted to apply for theaters. I wanted to be a GM. That was no secret to anybody. And, uh, Lisa Shepard, who was then Lisa Charlikowski, uh, Charlikowski officed out of Tinseltown. Mm -hmm. And she was a region leader of the disc. I think it was a discount North region at the time when they used to have discounts separate and they were split. We had a ton of discount theaters and um, I was, you know, I kind of always around on weekdays because of my position, getting things set up, helping with the movie schedule, whatever it may be. So when they would go to lunch, her and Frank and, and Renee and whoever else was in there, she would bring me back her leftovers. She didn't have a fridge in her office. So I'd scarf down on leftovers just after lunchtime. And uh, at one point she came in and she said, Dustin, you want to be a general manager, right? I said, yeah, I want to be a general manager. Uh, This is something we talked about. She said, I got this theater in Indiana and uh, (laughs) I have a little bit of trouble filling it. And uh, what would you think if I sent you and your mom, I'm a mama's boy, by the way, you and your mom, we got got like a a couple of hotel rooms, you go down there, you uh, check out this theater, you let me know what you think about it. And if you're interested, we can make it yours. And I said, okay. So me and my mom got went on this little road trip. It's like about five and a half hours, five and a half hours away from home. And we went down there and I, I walk in the lobby for the first time. Little janky old theater. It was about 30 years old when I got a hold of it. It was, it was primarily a, a, or it was previously a premier theater, um, which Cinemark picked up a few of those at one point. Yeah. And it was a 10 screen and I go in, the first thing I see is just somebody absolutely like annihilate the lobby floor by dropping like a 44 ounce drink. And I sat down on one of those old wire, you know, benches at Cinemark used to have those black mesh like wire benches. I sat there and I just watched that spill sit there for about 10 minutes I'm like, oh, okay. So I let somebody know about that. I walked around the theater. I met with the outgoing GM who at that point I think was finishing up with the company Hmm. and, uh, you know, realized they had just run out of popcorn. It was like a Saturday night. They just run out of popcorn. Uh, like out of seed checked out. (laughs) Yeah. Out of seed, not popped popcorn out of seed. So they're scrambling to figure this out. And I had a discussion with him and I, I, after I walked out there on the first day, I didn't look at lodging. I didn't look at anything. I, I, I called Lisa up. I said, I, I can do this. This is, you know, I, I could definitely make an impact here. So um, spent that weekend there looking for a place to live. Uh, 
headed home. And of course, you know how fast things used to move. They still move pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I was down there within a, loaded up the U-Haul. Well, back then it was fast. Yeah, and was down there within like a week and a half, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, cool thing about that is I get down there and Lisa arranged time to go down there and be with me, you know, during you know, getting me into that theater. It's my first theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually took my family, uh, which is, you know, my mom and my dad, I'm the only child. And we went out to uh, a restaurant on the Ohio river down there called uh, Buckheads. And it's a steak place, really cool, scenic views, whatever. And I can tell you, my dad still talks about going to dinner there to this day. Like Lisa, now Shepard, Lisa Shepard is like his girl. He's like, so how's Lisa doing? How's she doing? Is she, she getting any other promotions or anything? I said, oh, well, you know, and he always brings her up. But at any rate, he, he thought that was really impactful. And I thought it was special too, because somebody took time to not That's only get awesome. me, yeah, just not only to get me feeling comfortable, to also make my family feel comfortable that I'm making a good decision, whatever else. And uh, that was cool. And so I get moved in, parents leave town. Um, Lisa stays down with me for part, part of the first week. And I remember, um, specifically finding just like random things around the theater that needed done. But I remember Bill one day scrubbing like flush valves with her in the bathroom. Like she was in there, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Regal Lee was in there scrubbing, scrubbing toilets with me. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because every theater kind of teaches you something um, that theater taught me a lot of trust for, for the company and the organization and the people who were going to care for me over the amount of time that I was with Cinemark. And, and it also taught me a lot of lessons about kind of doing more with less, uh, as a discount theater kind of, kind of can, you know, and mm -hmm. you, you're not a big budget place. Uh, a lot of the stuff you're going to fix, you're going to do by the sweat of your brow and you're going to, uh, figure out on your own and, um, a lot of what you're doing right now, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it wasn't always the most fun experience in my life. You know, I moved away from home for the first time. I had a, it was a challenging theater. Um, my then girlfriend, now my wife was, uh, first of all, she was five hours away for part of it. And for another part of it, she was in Austria studying abroad. So, you know, I didn't get to see her a lot. Um, and you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. There yeah. was a lot of things at that point in my life. I thought I knew everything. You know, <laughs> I thought I knew everything. Can we all uh, Yeah. And, and you, you, always, you always deal with your general manager and you say, yeah, bullshit, I could do your job. Right. And then you get into a, a fraction like, of oh. that, a fraction of what that <laughs> yeah. guy or girl does, whatever that person does. And you're, you're like, holy crap, this is really hard. Mm -hmm. Shit got real. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was there for only 11 months and pretty, pretty big turnaround in the theater. Um, pretty big turnaround in how I dealt with situations, how I learned things. And, uh, interestingly enough, a theater in Pittsburgh came open, uh, in the Pittsburgh area in Manaka, Pennsylvania it was a 12 screen level two. So it was pretty much the perfect step up. And that, that theater was only three years old, man. And I'm like, Oh my God, if yeah, I, I get in this year, it's going to be great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my good friends, Sean Wilson ran that building and was in great shape. Uh, audits were spectacular. So I'm like, if I can get in here and do something, learn something, it's going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, fortunately enough, regions had realigned in that time. And Lisa Shepard was over top of 
yeah, over top of that theater. So I'm like, okay. Um, I had performed well for her in uh, Clarksville, Indiana. So I gave her a call and did the interview and everything else. And uh, I remember I was actually out shopping with my senior assistant manager. We had to get something for the booth. And uh, I think we were in a Walmart parking lot when Lisa called me back to let me know the news. And, um, you know, I, I showed my assistant, oh, look, it's Lisa calling. She's like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. So I, I talked to Lisa. She gave me good news. I'm beaming from ear to ear. And, and my assistant's over there, like, almost in tears. She's yeah. like, please, no. Um, That's so hard, right? Like, that just happened to me recently where, you know, like, I was, you're excited to get this news you know, but you don't, you don't want to exhibit so much excitement that your people are thinking, oh, well, he just doesn't care about us. And it's, it's like, that's the hard part, right? Yeah, because you've had moments when you're excited to, okay, yeah, it's time. Let's get this sure. going. But you certainly don't want the people who have, uh, you know, went into battle with you feeling like, all right, well, yeah, he's just all bouncing. done. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and, bittersweet, um, but yeah, you definitely have to manage your emotions a little bit around right yeah. so so my last couple of weeks there and i actually you, you remember several years ago we didn't take as many pictures as we do now mm -hmm. all we do now is take pictures so i have very few pictures of that theater but one picture i do have is me painting that office with my assistant i've always promised him that whole time that we'd get that office painted i said before i leave we make good on the promise because it was a blood red office Ooh. So you go in, what red makes you pissed off, right? Yeah, yeah. So we painted that in a nice baby blue before we left. You know, some of those desks hadn't been moved in years, so it was pretty exciting to do that. And if you remember before IT really got down to business with Cinemark, how much it used to be bird's nests to like random <laughs> stuff, especially the theaters we converted. Yep. So I'm like moving out the table with the server on it. I'm like, oh God, I don't think I can even move this. So we had to like paint around the wires. Oh, <laughs> But uh, we did that. Um, Sarah, who was that senior assistant I was talking about, actually went to uh, be a general manager for Great Escape because they okay. were primarily in that area. So I was always really proud. You were my competition in uh, Omaha, I think. So yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't know much about that theater chain anymore. I know that they had built um, a lot in that area, and that's when I became familiar with them. But uh, – Overall, a really good experience. And then I moved up to Pittsburgh, which was only an hour from my wife's college. Okay. Or, well, my girlfriend at the time. Okay. And uh, I was in Pittsburgh for about five years. So I stayed there for a, a duration. Um, Is that the longest it, you've been at one theater? Um, Other than your very first one? Or even, no, even longer. I was that. only in 11 months there. So I was five years in Pittsburgh. I was five years in Chicago. Well, I met the one that you started at, like as, a, as an employee. Yeah, so that would if, – if you're looking at the one I started at as an employee, yeah, that was the longest time I've ever spent working in one building. Okay. Um, as a general manager, it would be a tie between Manaka, Pennsylvania, and Evanston, Evanston. Illinois. Yeah. But uh, I was in Pittsburgh for those five years. Had a great time. My biggest – that theater was single-handedly, despite all the theaters I've run, my single greatest source of anxiety was that building. Why? And, and not because, <clears throat> well, because I had a standard to uphold. It what wasn't- anxiety it was, than the one you're in now? 
In a lot of ways, yeah. Really? Okay. And, and I think it was just the point of my life um, because I was a different person then. I become a different person. You know, I could go into Manaka, I could sleep three of the five days of the week and I could still run that building probably just as good as better, better than I could then. Mm. But it's mainly because I was so obsessed with keeping up the standards that, that Sean and his team set there. Um, and it ended up being a situation where, you know, EcoSure's had to be 100%. Yeah. You know, audits need to be Very little as high as – yeah. yeah, because that's what was expected. Sure. And if and if I were to drop the ball on that, I felt like my whole world would come crashing mm -hmm. down. So, so um, it was a whole different challenge then. It was about upkeep. It was about uh, learning from my predecessor and learning new procedures um, just to keep those types of things going, the building profitable, all that. So it was a little bit different environment than I was used to. And once I did feel like that I had that down pat and that no matter what, whether I was in the building or not, uh, things were going to go well. Um, I got it in my mind. I got this crazy idea that I'm like, I need a challenge now. <laughs> Famous last Famous words. Last words yes. Famous last words. After this. Yeah, yeah, I did. And, uh, and I was, I was sitting there in my office and I saw an email come up about, um, our only theater at that point in Orlando, Florida. It was this mm -hmm. big 20 screen theater, beautiful, beautiful theater, yeah. beautiful theater. Um, but you'll figure out over time and you know this, but I'll explain it for the, the listeners here that the more beautiful and special a building is, the harder it is to run period. Plus, did you follow <clears throat> Stebbins? No, I actually uh, followed uh, Kyle Cottle. Okay. Uh, building. Okay. So it was Stebbins, um, then Kyle was before me and then before him was Josh Weimer. Okay. Okay. Uh, who's out in California now, but at any rate, so I'm going into Orlando and there was a lot to be done in Orlando. The problem with Orlando was, is it was a massive, beautiful theater, 5,000 seats, level three attendance. Yeah. So, I mean, 650,000 to 700,000 people so the resources year. available to you or not oh man it was bananas big for what I had to do do with it you know and um that theater had went through the point in time where if you remember early in the 2000s uh, or late in the 90s Cinemark built all these massive theaters like the one I'm running now <laughs> yeah they made they built all these crazy theaters and they're like oh crap we got into some trouble with the content and everything else things are slowing down so they went into conservation mode and not as many things were looked after mm -hmm. and when that happened uh like this theater had five concession stands um which is nuts because you had an upstairs right there was an upstairs a main <clears throat> two satellites and then part of the studio or the studio eats was a concession stand. So you had all these points of sale in that building. Well, three of those concession stands, the ones on the high and low side of the building and the one upstairs have been almost completely gutted yeah. <clears throat> because when they opened and remodeled the Jacksonville theater, they had took parts out of those unused. It wasn't a very busy theater. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Keep yeah. your main stand at whatever else. Well, I got it in my head that, okay, we're going to do all these crazy things with this building. We're going to open these concession stands again. We're going to uh, build party rooms. And <clears throat> I was only there. That was another 11-month theater. 
That's fast. But I worked myself to death at that building. I mean, 80-hour weeks. I did 24-hour shifts. I was overnight. I was determined to get things the way they needed to be as soon as I could. And um, Kyle, the guy before me, great manager, had things well on the way. And he had been there a short amount of time himself and then went to a, a theater that was closer to home that was a great option for him. So, um, Kyle and I were just talking yesterday, actually. Were you really? Yeah, yeah we've been talking a lot lately. So he's oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, I think he went, I think that's when uh, Hunsinger got his promotion or something. Maybe he got into that theater he's in now. It's up close to home, Kentucky. Yeah, right. yeah. So, um, well, at any rate, uh, worked my butt off there. That was probably more stressful in a different way. Sure. Interestingly enough, you know, most theaters, you have a theater in a town and you go to that theater all the time. You feel a connection to it. This is my theater. This is my place to go. Don't talk during the movies here. Don't whatever. This is my house. You know, that's how our, our guests feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando was much different. They're like, man, I'm just passing through the hell with this yeah. place. Very touristy, right? Yeah, they go through. It might even be their only time coming to that theater. So they don't treat it with the same respect as they would yeah. knowing the hometown. So maintenance was a constant issue. Um, even the employee base was very uh, transient. They would go work there, then they'd go with the, work at the parks. You had a lot of competition. Oh, yeah. um, so it taught me a lot in terms of that. Were you understaffed uh, a lot? Well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, but it's more like we would have the staff. It was just a revolving door. Um, makes it difficult to train and keep stability. It does. It does. And, um, and I know you talked to, to Crystal, her theater in uh, Oklahoma city used to be like that. She stabilized that as far as I know, it's a very similar situation. Um, but at any rate, it was interesting during that time I had kind of hit a point where I'm like, man, I am stressed out. I'm not sure what my next step to take is in this building about halfway through there. And I was thinking of people who've had success in that building. And um, one day on the way home, I remembered that for some reason, I think Stebbins watched my region or something at one point. I had Chris Stebbins' phone number. Mm-hmm. So I called and I talked to his admin. I said, hey, I just kind of want to talk to him. He ran the theater I'm in now. As far as I know, he was one of the most successful people to do it. I want to talk to him a little bit about what he did, what he focused on and whatever else. So I actually talk, uh, called and that was one of the first times I had a really long conversation with Chris Stebbins. Yeah. We'd seen each other at PGCs or different events, but not, also you know. A solid dude. Yeah. And my and, building that I'm running now, he got promoted out of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's been in some heavy hitters. Yeah. And uh, I called and we talked and things, time kind of went by after that. And I remember sitting on my couch at home and I wasn't really looking to go anywhere uh, yet. And I see an email come through. Yeah. I was, I was, I saw an email come through about um, the Evanston building open. And I looked at this and I know Chad Birch and I know some of the stories from Evanston and I look at it. I look at my wife. I said, Oh, I feel bad for the sucker who gets this theater (laughs) swipe to delete. Right. And, um, about a week goes by and I get uh, a ring on my cell phone. Um, and it was, Chris Stebbins. I'm like, oh, okay. So I answer him like, hey, hey, how's it going? You know, and um, he sat down or sat me down. He told me to sit down (laughs) and we're talking. He said, 
so about Evanston, I'm like, yeah, what about it? And he no, said, no, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and essentially he, he gave me an offer. He said, I really like you come up here and do this. It's a similar outfit to, um, to, uh, Orlando. Uh, interesting enough, Chad ran Orlando at well, as well at one point, I think before Stebbins, maybe. He's someone so, else I just talked to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, he's like, you need to call Chad in this next 24 hours, but I need to know in 24 hours, whether or not you want to do this. No pressure. So it's funny. Yeah. Put a, put a, pre come on, Stebbins, put a time limit on me. That and you're like him though, doesn't I, it? <laughs> it does. It does. He's probably going down a list. I get it. Yeah. And, uh, so I call Chad and we talk and I still, it's funny the things you remember vividly. Cause I remember having that conversation. I remember pacing in my bedroom back and forth with my dog just laying on bed. Like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing, man? Yeah. It's like, why well, you've been pacing nervously at home. This doesn't look good. And I talked to Chad about kind of the ups and downs of the scenarios, of that building. And I called Stevens back the next day and said, I would take it. And, uh, that kind of ended my, my journey there in Orlando. And I pack up, um, my wife and my dog and my wife was pregnant at that time. Uh, so we actually shipped her car up there so she didn't have to drive. She's tired all the time, mm -hmm. you know? So we get in the car and we take a, at that point, a two day trip stopping maybe in Nashville or something on the way up and going up to Chicago. And I remember getting into Chicago and that was, uh, it was a cold rainy day, rainy, snowy. It's a, just, uh, February. <clears throat> and I'm like, my dog's whining behind me. He's going bananas. And I'm trying to navigate, navigate the streets of Chicago up there by Evanston. And I'm like, Holy God, let me just get to this apartment. And uh, we get to the apartment and our stuff doesn't arrive for a week. So we're sleeping on an air mattress, which you know happens. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm in this hundred year old apartment building and I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> But I ended up really loving Chicago, and I ended up really uh, learning a lot through Evanston. And um, it was a challenging situation, right? Challenging. Case. Yeah, yeah, and and it was one of those things to where um, Chad was in there before me. Well, before Chad got it, it was not great. Yeah. Chad did a, a hell of a lot of work, built a good management team. And, that was an acquisition, and, right? Yes, it was a Century Theater. Can you so, describe the layout of that? Because it's a unique building, right? Yeah, so, so when you first enter the building, it's on the second floor of uh, uh, a complex there, and all beneath it is restaurants and stores and things like that, um, which changed over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'd go in, and you had this little lower lobby, and it had a couple poster cases in this lower lobby. That was your exterior poster cases. And then you would go up the escalator into the box office lobby. So really, for all intents and purposes, this, this, uh, this theater had like four lobbies. You had your lower lobby, which is your elevator escalator lobby, then and you're with your posters and your little XD side. Then you go upstairs and you have your box office lobby and you have um, – your uh, seven box office terminals lined up in a big line there and the guest services counter. And if, if you're looking at box office to the left, there is century 12, which is the 12 screen side of the building uh, initially ran as its own separate theater. Mm -hmm. And it was initially supposed to be for 
you know, Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Big uh, generation one um, self-serve concession stand. And the way it was oriented was actually backwards. You entered by the auditoriums and exited out by the box office. You had to do this weird circle thing. So that was like a old school century fail. And then um, you had your 12 auditoriums on that side down a big H shaped hallway uh, Cinemark put in one of the first XDs there because um, it was one of the two, I believe, first XDs because at that time, um, I think it was Madison Dearborn owned a majority share in the company yeah. and they were in Evanston in Chicago. So we wanted to kind of showcase the XD concept there. And of course, we had one right by the home office. Mm-hmm. Then to the right of the box office, if you're looking at it, was the Rhythm Room, which was a bar and bistro. Could uh, I think it'd seat around probably 75 people in there, 100 people, mm-hmm. and then a six-screen cine arts theater, which was originally for art films. What we figured out about Evanston, though, and this was this is all credit to Chad, is that the art films were the bread and butter of that theater. They kind of kind of that type of crowd there you know you had your in that area too yeah pretty uh you know it's right by northwestern university a lot of professors live up there um, a lot of elderly on the north shore of chicago so um what we figured out was or what what was figured out was is that the biggest auditorium on the synart side was only 186 seats well you had 400 seat auditorium or two on uh the 12 side is what we called it. So we started intermingling films between six side and 12 side. If you had a big art film, you put it in your big house, sure. right? And uh, over time, uh, Matt Dunn, who now works uh, at, our, at our home office, mostly with liquor license development, things like that, because uh, obviously we've been expanding that throughout our circuit. Uh, he was the restaurant uh, general manager at that point or manager of the rhythm room in that building. Um, so he kind of started his or was acquired with the, the century thing and started his job there. But the rhythm room was really um, one of the first theater bars in the country. You got to think that this theater wasn't retrofitted with this. This theater was built in 1999, 2000, and it had the rhythm room in it. That was, was in the original Kansas city, right? Yeah, it was in the designs. And Kansas City was Cinemark's first yeah. because they built that, but then they acquired this and they were really kind of the only thing we had going. Yeah. So a, a lot of the stuff you see out in Cinemark now has kind of developed as a brainchild of this. And the Rhythm Room Boys did really great with alcohol sales. Uh, good food, very tiny closet-sized kitchen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but the food, the food was never really front and center. Yeah. You know, you go in and you go into the rhythm room and it had high ceilings and a big wall of um, old school movie banners from old art films and, and classic films and had a pool table. And it actually had a stage with a baby grand piano on it uh-huh. where we, we were the only theater uh, in the company for a long time that had a budget for people to come and do gigs there. So it was, you know, $300 every Friday and Saturday night, we would pay out, you know, for, for musicians coming to gig there, you know, jazz, uh, uh, pianist, um, you know, rockabilly people, whoever comes out and plays. And we had our own, you know, set of 
people that we kind of had on rotation, but it sure. was really kind of neat. Um, and one thing that I always thought was neat about that building is I'd, I'd walk the building or I'd be out in the box office lobby and you'd kind of hear the sounds spilling out from the rhythm room of these, these performers. And it just kind of was a really neat element. Atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, biggest management team I ever had was in that building. Um, and it wasn't the biggest theater I've run, but certainly the most complex. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot going on being part of the city, being part of that type of community. I had a, a big Metra, uh, uh, train on one side of me, big diesel train system with like double decker cars and everything that runs commuters or ran commuters into the city. And it ran on one side of the building. Then on the other side of the building was the L, which was the, uh, like the subway style, only they're elevated in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. So all your public transit was right there. And, uh, you know, you'd walk out back to, to go somewhere and you hear the trains clacking by. It was just a different environment. It sounds you know? cool. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I really fell in love with Chicago and the Evanston area, um, mainly for the amount there was to do and the things that were going on. Um, talk about a, a movie theater that people really connected with or felt like it was part of their community. Before I got there, they had, uh, the city of Evanston had raised concerns that they weren't playing enough art product there. Oh, wow, really? So, yeah, I mean, that they were that invested in that theater. So we got to be a, a part of a lot of community outreach, summer youth programs, things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was just, you know, different. I felt way more involved, way more uh, embedded in the culture than I did in Orlando where everything was just kind of passing you by all yeah. the time. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, Boulder was very art film oriented as well. In fact, I remember uh, while it was under construction, I was in the trailer working and all of a sudden one day somebody just comes into the trailer. I don't know this person. And it was my very first uh, customer experience in Boulder of getting yelled at and hadn't even opened yet. And this lady comes in and starts yelling at me about how we're this mainstream company coming in here and we better play art film or I'm not going to hear the end of it. And I was like, <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, it's amazing um, that people are so invested in that yeah. and that they want to see that. And, uh, yeah. And I think the other cool thing about, that theater was, you know, we do events at all of our different buildings, different meetings or whatever, but there were um, several different people that came through for independent art films. Uh, we held the Chicago Jewish, Jewish Film Festival there. Um, so there was always like a lot going on with that and it was enjoyable to be a part of. So, so, why, so why did you leave there? Well, so here's the deal. I'd always wanted to open a theater. And I, I kind of left out a part of my story about coming to uh, Evanston. Now that I think about it is that at that time, um, a theater was opening in Pittsburgh and I'd expressed interest in going to open a theater in Pittsburgh. It was our McCandless, McCandless, yeah. McCandless Crossing. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to open one, might as well open one in a town I know, you know. Sure. And I had uh, talked to Robbie Hunsinger about it at that time and and rob was like oh yeah but i think he had kind of worked out a deal promise it to somebody else and i think the whole reason probably why stebbins gave me a call is they were discussing it potentially and said hey i got dustin wanting to come to this and he said why didn't dustin put him for evanston type of thing and that that's the one that went, did, did that go to terry's uh no terry took 
the 18 screen Pittsburgh Mills. Okay, that's right. And uh, it was uh, Sam Geraci was at the Mills and went to. Okay. Or wasn't he at the Mills? Yeah, I think he was. And then he went to Michaela's Cross. Okay. So it's, it's, I, I don't know. I find it fun to see all the movement that happens, you know, where people go and they're, you know, as they continue. If I had the programming knowledge and I could make, like, you could legit chart every GM's career, how cool would that be? It would be awesome, yeah. It would just be lines crossing. I find it fascinating. I'm sure there's some people out there like, whatever, but. No, I I think you're onto something there. I think if we could get somebody with the right. You know, everything is and small world. If we had somebody with the right know-how to do that, you could filter it out and show individuals or individual uh, regions. Or let's get Brady even, Tyler on this. You get somebody, like, yeah, right. Hey, he would he would do well with that. And and you know, you think of these theaters, uh, the people have a lot of GMs that come out of like uh, like uh, Jason Jason in Jacksonville. If you were to have all of his GMs, yeah. he's a million GMs out there. Well, Jason just, and I came up together. We were Sam's together in Baton Rouge. You know? Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, see, it, it would just be cool if you saw somebody like that, and then you see all the little lines diverging. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a multi-level marketing company when you do. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at any rate, back to the story of of how I got where I am now. Um, always wanted to open a theater, but once I got into a level four that kind of had the works, you know, it had everything it could have. Where do you go? Yeah. Where do you go? And. Um, I was stewing about that for a long time and I thought I really screwed myself. You know, I never get to open a building and I said, you know, if the right one ever came open, I'd love to go for it. And, uh, the irony is it's definitely irony now is Cinemark had eyeballed different places and all, all over the place in big city locations like New York and all that. And I'm like, Oh, well maybe I could get into one of those tomorrow in the cityscape kind of thing or whatever else. Um, Probably didn't want to do the city again since I'm bringing up kids and everything kids. now. So, um, you and I were actually in Rialto doing an opening. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we saw this big, beautiful new Rialto building. Pretty unique in itself, has a whole facade that nobody else has. But yeah, cool more importantly, really great food elements, big kitchen, whatever else uh, built in. And uh, you and I were going through and we're helping them open. We're having a good time. Uh, we have a sushi, uh, all you can eat sushi challenge. <laughs> was, dollar sushi or all you yeah. Man. <laughs> my boy's over here shooting quail eggs. Gross. <laughs> Trying not to vomit into my plate. I know. <laughs> it was bad. Um, but during that experience, it was discussed what cut by Cinemark was going to be, what this Frisco theater was finally going to be. Because if you remember, this theater was going to be a million different things before mm-hmm. they settled on cut. And even at this point, um, it's like the alpha version of cut, you know, the beta versions being built right now, the real by design cut version. Yeah. But it came across my mind that, Hey, maybe this theater has just enough bells and whistles that I'll be able to get into it. You know, without a pay cut, get to open it. Plus, it's by the. <laughs> exactly. Plus, it's you know, it's by the home office. Schools down Certain. in Texas are great, right? Um. So I decided probably should go for it. So, uh, you keep hearing the same names come up, but Chris Stebbins again was yeah. going to be uh, opening cut, and I kind of floated the idea to him at that point that I might be interested. So when the theater was 
posted. I expressed my interest. And uh, I actually interviewed with him. I interviewed with Joe. Um, it was a much different experience than I've had interviewing for theaters before because of uh, the importance of the new concept and mm -hmm. making sure that everything is just so-so because we're developing a brand here. It's mm -hmm. and, and you know that from uh, working with an opening bistro, a brief bistro location, how hairy that can be when we're developing new things. Or, sure. um, and I remember getting the phone call, and it's funny, you always remember these places. I was in a McDonald's parking lot on Clark Street in Chicago, and uh, Stebbin said he'd be calling me in a few minutes. I said, okay, well, I'm driving. I'll just pull over wherever, and I remember pulling over there. And again, I was outside of my car, in front of my car, uh, pacing in front of my car, walking on the little curb thing like a balance beam and doing whatever, <laughs> having the conversation about what me coming to um, Frisco would look like. And uh, of course, I, you know, obviously I decided to pull the trigger yeah. and uh, I moved you know, me and my wife, my poor dog again, and then now, by now two kids uh, down to um, Frisco and started an entirely new and different journey that I find at points hard to describe to people. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had, um, I've had the privilege of kind of being able to, to tag along with you on that journey and listen to, to every inch of it. And it's been a, a unique journey for sure. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is as brutal as it's been, uh, when I sit back, especially now that the theater's sitting dormant, I'm sitting here in a, a quiet house, uh, you know, how much I miss kind of like the hustle and bustle of what mm -hmm. goes on there. But um, so let me tell you a little bit, I guess, about the opening and how that went. Um, it was pushed back a few different times for various different reasons. Um, whether it be trying to get gas across the freeway, because if you, if you look geographically, uh, Cut by Cinemark sits in the middle of a field. There were cows around it at one point that used to get loose and into my parking lot. Uh, so it was like, it's like the first building in a development yet to come. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had to get gas across the freeway. Um, at one point we had some people get in and take copper out of the building. I mean, there was, there were some speed bumps, but not only that uh, was a massive hiring effort um, way beyond what I thought was originally going to be needed. And, you know, when I opened that building, I had a staff of almost 300 people. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, just getting them in, getting them interviewed, getting videos watched, getting uh, green light done. I had these big, you know, it was funny because I had a green light remember when the program rolled out uh, our orientation program and I did it for my whole staff in Evanston. I'm like, wow, this is cool. It's pretty big. Never going to have a, that big. And you know, my staff range around hundred people there maximum. Mm -hmm. And then I get in here and I'm doing it for as many people as can fit in the older Frisco theaters auditorium. is like 175, yeah. 200 people. I'm like, holy crap, man. It's a lot of people in here. Yeah. And not only that, you know, I had the HR team, I had Brady who de helped develop the program. I had Vi in there. I had Sid. They're all sitting in this meeting watching me do this. I'm like, <laughs> I better not screw up. You know, we have people watching. And then, and then one of them, um, uh, Steve Zolke came to, I'm like, all right, yeah, the pressure's on. I see. Okay. Um, but I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun doing those and I bought, uh, 
these big stupid stuffed pizza things we'd wing around to people and have them answer questions it was a good time um but as far as breaking me of the idea that you know you, you're you're if you're in a theater outside of the metroplex here you know oh god we got a corporate person coming and let's clean this do this freak mm -hmm. out a little bit doesn't matter how clean your building is you have a little mini freak out yeah you can think of walk in or be involved with anything you do any any day of the week here yep. so you're just used to it and i think that i was very early on desensitized to that well they and, lived at your theater <laughs> yes yeah and when we started getting into the building um they really did. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of uh, thoughts, opinions, ideas, uh, because everybody had a horse in the race. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Design. This is a theater. Yeah, they, they, they have never designed a theater like this before. Uh, obviously, with the restaurant operations team, people talking about menus and cocktail menus and, and, and service steps and all these different things that, um, you know, are kind of preset in, in some of the other concepts we're coming up with here. Yeah. So they're all there and, and that uh, maintained for quite a while because again, you don't know what you don't know. And we didn't know anything about um, how this was actually going to go. We had a lot of plans. Some of the plans worked out great. Some of the plans we had yeah, to improvise on. Yeah. And uh, you know, even this late in the game, we're still changing and adapting and doing different things. But uh, opening week was crazy. Uh, training week is particularly hard. They've adjusted the program since then, but you were AM till AM, you know, uh, on that training week at cut. And we had two different classes, morning and evening, and managers were there the whole time. And then in the meantime, you're still doing movie schedules. You're still getting the building together. You're still getting ready to go. And then, uh, we opened during spring break, uh, which was uh, very exciting. <laughs> so very busy, um, busier I than mean, we opening thought. Opening is brutal enough as it is. Yeah. And when you open up into, you know, either a spring break or into the holidays or anything like that. Which a lot of times we, we do because we're, we're trying to push our theaters to be ready for those yeah, volume times. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can't blame people for wanting to do that. It just, you know, brings its own challenge. Makes sense from a financial perspective. From an operational perspective, it leaves something to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's up to me to, to deal with. But I will be fair, though, that, that a, a lot of our uh, corporate personnel and leadership were there mm -hmm. through and through for about the first month in that building. You know, people training. Um, you know, you were in the building right before it opened. And then we had several rounds of you know what Cinemark calls SWAT, right? And I was supposed to come back and I got snowed in. Oh, it's true. I do remember that. And then we tried I tried twice actually. That was a that was a bummer of a cancellation. It I'm was. like, yeah, I need like, somebody to help me with my building book. You know, I just, just want to go on record as saying you told me I'm the only person you trust to hang shit on the walls at your theater. Okay. Well there's a story to that. And and that's that's a reality. Um even now I don't care who they are and what position they are. Uh, if they're senior kitchen manager all the way down to usher, whoever they are, they have to come to me to hang stuff in my building. Yeah. I can't handle crooked shit. And uh, that's just, it's just how I uh, sure I am. I'm, I, have that, I have that level of, yeah, you kind of suck sometimes. Well, not to mention you put a bunch of love notes behind all my stuff that you hung Every on the wall. Every single thing there. Yeah. Shouldn't allow you to have access to, to sticky notes, but <laughs> – 
at any rate, I figure you were just OCD enough to, to get the job done the way I wanted. I'm not quite as bad as you, but I, uh, I can hang in there with you. So, um, no, trust me, I appreciate the help because uh, otherwise, if I'd hang everything on the walls, oh, good God. yeah, you, you, did, you did in my break room, which uh, yeah. has devolved over time, I must <laughs> admit. Beautiful break room. Uh, uh, right. But the day, I, the day I went in, we have a bathroom in our break room, and the day I went in and found uh, all of the plants you bought in the bathroom, it was like a jungle around the toilet. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, we're all done with the plants in the break room. <laughs> a, ba- a break room with a bathroom with a shower, no less. Yes, yes. Uh, still not used, as far as I know. Never put a curtain up in there. So, um, but yeah. So I uh, got did away with those. Those are now out in the hallway, making the hallway look nice, uh, where I can keep an eye on them on camera. But uh, yeah, I think that um, you know I'm really proud of the team that I put together here in. Um, in Frisco at Cut, because, you know, they're just a phenomenal group of people. They're, they're some of the hardest working people I've ever worked with. And that's not to say that other people I haven't worked with aren't equally as hardworking. It's just that the, the sheer force and ability of the team that I have in uh, Cut is amazing. And uh, the things that they've been able to accomplish, I, I mean, there's days that we walk out of there and, and myself included, and we're, we're sweating, man. I mean, we move. Um, a little differently than people at other movie theaters do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I've just been kind of awestruck by them. And that's what made, you know, the recent developments particularly painful to me uh, because I just you know, find hard, you know, telling that group of people they're out of work for a time being mm-hmm. because uh, they're kind of like me. They're addicted to it at this point, And uh, we need that uh, kind of heartbeat in our lives. And, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a discussion with my wife last night. I forget what I was freaking out about. I find something new to freak out about every day. There's plenty, plenty of things to freak out about right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I kind of looked at her at the end of it. I said, listen, you, you got to understand what I'm going through right now in terms of even, even, and I count myself fortunate to be doing what I am doing, at least in the current state, but the amount of workload that I'm used to having and the um, the synapses firing in a certain rate is greatly slowed. I felt like I've given something up at least in this time in that regard. And, uh, it's been a little bit hard for me to process. And I think that that's why I find other things to like go haywire about. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Like it was a solid week, you know, after all the shit got real, um, of just trying to process it, having a lot of breakdowns, um, you know, and every, every single person I've talked to on this, on this show, uh, it always comes down to the people, you know, yeah. like all these different theaters, all these new, all these different buildings and with amenities, those are all cool. That's all cool and everything. And the experiences we've gained as we've come up through the company, but at the end of the day, I think it just really does come down to these teams that we've put together and these people that we've, we've gone through bonding moments with, you know, you, especially like for you at cut, I mean, and me opening the bistro, those are very, you very walk through fire with those people. Yes. Very yeah. challenging situations. And yeah, like you just said, you walk through fire with these people and you do anything for them, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, uh, it's so tough, you know, it's, and, uh, how hard it is. 
And one of my sayings that I always, it's kind of cliche at this point, I like to talk about it, but I, I'll, I'll just run through it with you now, is I always tell people in interviews, and I believe this, that I don't manage a theater I lead a team of individuals, yeah. you know, that theater's there right now. It's sitting out in the field and I'm sitting in my, my office, my, my office slash guest bedroom. And it's sitting there. It's there without me. It doesn't need managed. It sits alone in that field. It's fine. You know, I check up on it. It's good. Um, what I do is I lead a team of individuals, the team being the cohesive unit and the individual being that, uh, not everybody's motivated the same way, receives praise the same way, whatever else. So I, I, I lead that team of those individuals. So while I think of my job is to, to work with that team to accomplish goals, I have to also understand that those individuals require um, their, their own attention, uh, thought processes, treatment, whatever it may be to help them achieve their potential. And what this has done for me recently is it's really uh, taken away my ability ability to be a leader. I'm a manager of a theater. I finally, after all these years of preaching this, guess what? I'm a manager of a theater as yeah. I'm, I You're manage, a manager, right? yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a manager of that building right now. And, um, my hope and, and my excitement is for that time when I get to be that leader of a team of individuals again. Yeah. yeah so. I can't wait. I can't wait. Like I'm, I literally long for the day of being able to walk into that building and it has people in it. Yeah. So, all right, man. Thanks for sharing this. Oh, no problem. I had a, a, a great time. And you know that I love to talk. And once you'd get me going, that I'd uh, lose my mind on you. So there we yeah, go. I knew it wasn't going to be an issue, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Dustin, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime soon, all right? Sounds good, brother. Thanks a lot. Take care of yourself. Take care. That's the podcast, folks. If you're a fan of Karen Isn't Always Right, you can show your support in two ways. First, please share with your friends and get them listening. Also, please feel free to donate by going to anchor.fm forward slash chris-fry, that's F-R-E-Y, forward slash support. Please visit kairpodcast.com, K-I-A-R podcast.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. New episodes are posted weekly on kairpodcast.com, anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you can listen to a podcast. The views and opinions on this podcast are solely that of the guest and the host and are not representative of any organizations or individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.